0: Napa
1: know-how. Right now, Napa Legend Batteries come with a $15 rebate by mail. Their long-lasting durability stands up to extreme conditions. So even on scorching days, it'll puff its chest out and be all like, hey, summer heat, find another car battery to drain. Napa Legend Batteries with $15 mail-in rebate. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how.
2: Napa know-how.
1: At participating Napa Auto Parts stores, offer expires 831 18 Blog Talk Radio.
3: And good evening, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. I am MC Money. I'm joined tonight by certain the creepy soccer dad. And tonight we are with, uh, without our sidekick, Houts, Houts MD, Houts the Whisperer, the whatever, the quarterback whisperer, whatever he calls himself each and every week. But we are without him tonight, and we will start with that to start the show. And uh, you've been following Houts on Twitter. You, you saw last week that, unfortunately, his father passed away. Uh, suddenly, tragically And without warning to the family and, and obviously a very tough situation For all involved And we certainly send our prayers to Houts um, You know, we, we've met Houts A few times Face to face And in person But really, you know, we, at the risk of sounding Like a complete nerd uh, When you talk on Twitter to people you, you get to know them On almost a personal level and you get to know a little more about them and us doing the show with him every week, texting each other throughout the week leading up to the shows. We obviously form that relationship with him. So certainly prayers out to House, his family, and of course, prayers to his uh, father as well. The memorial service was tonight. Carl House was 71 years old, and leaves behind many family members. So, and I don't know if you want anything uh, to say with that. Mm-hmm.
2: No, you said everything beautifully. I just want to pay my condolences as well. Um, We'll welcome Josh back with open arms whenever he's ready. Um, And just uh, at least take a moment tonight to think about your loved ones and what you have and um, and who you have. Um, And let's move forward because that's what Josh
3: would want. Right. And Josh, we don't know when he'll be back. Obviously, we told him, you know, take your time. You know, no rush. He'll know when he's ready. And once he does come back, we'll obviously, uh, you know, transition back to that. And, you know, anyone, we've all lost family members. So it's not easy. And it comes in waves and highs and lows and everything else. And, you no, know, Josh will come back when Josh is ready to come back. Yep. So there's no really easy way to transition from that. Um but the show must go on, as they say, and we're here to talk about sports and to entertain you and to talk about the upcoming season. And believe it or not, this season is just a few weeks away. I believe it's 50 days to be exact. And so the first NFL regular season game. So that is pretty exciting. When you look at 50, that's less than two months. And you and you get to that football season and everything runs by so fast and then you're left without nothing, right? You look forward to free agency, (laughs) you look forward to the draft, and then it's just these long few months of absolutely nothing. And then you get all excited for training camp, and then you realize that, you know, training camp, you just want to get by without any injuries. And it's it's really a long time for the NFL to come back, to get into form. And there's a lot of optimism regarding the Miami Dolphins this coming season help us talk about that optimism we bring in on Randy McMichael former Miami Dolphins tight end he'll be joining us in just a few minutes uh, as you remember McMichael played for the Dolphins he was drafted by the Dolphins in the fourth round of the 2002 NFL draft played with the Dolphins until 2006 had a stint with the Rams from 2007 and 2009 and then ended his career with the Chargers from 2010 to 2012 so he'll be on with us in just a few minutes if not momentarily and we'll talk to them about training camp, which the Dolphins begin tomorrow uh, for their rookies. And then, of course, the rest of the team, they, re, they begin on the 27th of July. And then uh, we'll also talk to them about Thursday night football. SB Nation did a little video today on their social media platforms and all their websites about the, uh, raising the awareness of why Thursday night football is so bad and the opinions of players and coaches and analysts. But then again, the reason why the NFL does it, and we all know, that is money, of course. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk to Randy about that and get his opinion as a player and now as a fan, you know, looking at both sides of the spectrum there. And then to wrap up the show, we will discuss the uh, recent article on ESPN by, by Barnwell it's talking about Rashad Jones and Adamek and and their contracts and looking at them and how they're actually of value to the team. So ESPN – talking positive about the Miami Dolphins, and they've gotten a lot of good positive press from ESPN and other media outlets lately. Well, let's circle back here, and we welcome to Finsider Radio, a former guest in the past that's joined us numerous times. Rainey McMichael, thank you for calling in and joining Finsider Radio. How are you doing tonight?
4: Hey, what's going on, fellas? I'm good, man. How about
3: yourself? We're doing very well. Anytime we got you on and others on, we're we're having a great time. So, Rainey McMichael, all, all of our listeners, We just mentioned it, we'll mention it again, drafted by the Dolphins in the fourth round from Georgia, 2002 NFL Draft, with the Dolphins until 2006, Rams from 2007 to 2009, and the Chargers from 2010 to 2012. Randy, we're going to start right off with training camp. The rookies report tomorrow for the Miami Dolphins and other teams around the NFL. They begin their uh, full practices with all the players on July 27th, which is next Thursday. And looking at training camp here, and, you know, we as fans get all excited about training camp coming back, and that means the start of football season is coming close to us. And we also know on the flip side that the players kind of dread training camp. And we're going to talk to you about that in just a few seconds. But, but, Sutton, you know, looking at training camp, Sutton, what are you looking most forward to? And then we'll get Randy's opinion both as a player and, and now as a fan. But, Sutton, what do you think the most – Important thing that happens in training camp coming out
2: this this coming uh month. Well, I mean, well you training mentioned... camp
4: is all about. Sorry, Randy, go ahead. Oh well, no, I was saying before training camp is all about camaraderie. That's all it is. Uh, players, uh, it's uh, the monotony of it. It gets in your nerves after probably the third practice. You forget what day it is. Your body's sore. You're just going off will and determination for that first week. Once you get all that that physical soreness out. And then you you can go ahead and just, just play ball and everything, but training camp's all about camaraderie, trying to your teammates, you guys bonding, you getting to see your family. I mean it, it's really just that grind. And as a young player it's a nervous time, especially these rookies because you don't know what to expect, especially these guys, these late draft picks, these undrafted free agents. It's nerve wracking. But as a vet like myself, I'm like, Oh god, training camp again? Yeah? Yeah, so it, it, it just goes <laughs> buried by the
3: experience. So, Randy, and, and I want you to chime in as well. You know, we're looking at a, a promising draft class for the Miami Dolphins. We have first-round pick Charles Harris. We have Raquan McMillan coming in a linebacker. We have others joining the fold as well. As a first-round pick, you know, someone coming in, you were a fourth-round pick drafted in the middle rounds there. So for someone like Charles Harris, right, coming, in, coming into the fold, what are the expectations for him for a first round pick such as him, and then what are the expectations for a guy who might be drafted in the fifth, sixth, and seventh rounds?
4: Well, let me tell you something about Charles Harris. I watched him destroy my Georgia Bulldogs in the game. Couldn't block him, and I mean, and me being here in Atlanta and working for the uh, Atlanta Falcons network up here, oh, they, everybody was salivating over him, and, and the Dolphins got a great, great player. Now, with that being said, he couldn't be in a better situation than to learn from a player like Cameron Wake. I mean, I, I mean this guy here, the work ethic, the age coming back from injury and still being the, one of the most dominant pass in the league, you can't do anything but learn from that. So but the expectation of a first-round pick, when people see the first round, they expect you to come in to start. They expect you to put up kind of numbers, pro and things like that. And it doesn't always happen like that. And that, if it doesn't happen, because we have such a microwave society now, we label him a bust after one year. i give you an example. Living here in Atlanta, Vic Beasley comes out, four sacks his first year. Oh, he's a bust. He can't do this. He can't do that. Comes back with 15 and a half sacks. And then all those same people, well, I told you so. So Charles just has to be consistent and learn and keep going because it's a different game in the NFL. Now, for late round picks, it's hard. It really is. The first thing is you've got to take advantage of these reps. You gotta take advantage of the reps early before the vets get there because they're gonna be cut. You gotta learn everything. You can't just be stuck in one position. You have to be you have to be like the the special team's best the special team's coach best friend in the world. And I mean that you have – hey, I'm talking about you sit with him in lunch and if he goes to a meeting, if he's in a workout room, you be by him because that's how a lot of these guys make the roster. And I was on a team where we cut a fifth-round draft pick. I've been there. I've seen it before. So nothing is guaranteed at all. But these guys have got to come in. They've got to learn. They've been in OTAs and mini camp and all that, but they were in shorts. Now you come into a grown man game with grown man and pads.
2: Yeah, and then on yeah. top the, of that, Randy, you know, with the with the new CBA and the more limited padded practices and the more even more limited opportunities than maybe even when you were playing, they face a steeper learning curve, so
4: do you see that playing out in real life right now? I'm right, tell you something, man. I came into the release of the rookie. We had six weeks of training camp. First of all we got all we had eleven days after the off season condition before training camp. It was two a day's pads every single day. All right. In that Miami heat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so I'm talking about it was rough. And then when they did the new collective bar agreement, now anybody's been to San Diego, you know it's the most pleasant place on earth. They cut out the practices. They cut out the two-a-days. They cut out all this stuff, and yet these young bucks come in, and they're falling out. And I'm looking at them like, are you serious? Like, <laughs> you don't know what it was like when there wasn't no limit to two-a-days and no limit to practice. <laughs> you just don't know. <laughs> so, yes, this training camp is a breeze now. It really is as far as the physical contact that goes on with it. Yeah, you're going to be sore. Your leg's are going to be sore and all that. But it's a breeze, and it's for – the players, for the player to be ready physically to start the season. But training camp, and I i, I might sound like that, and everybody always accuses me here of, of being that get off my lawn guy. I
1: don't <laughs> think that. Because it, it,
4: it is soft. It is. It, it really is a softer training camp.
3: Yeah, Randy, we, we hear that all the time. You know, the veterans that played the game in the past saying, you know, the young guys don't know what it was like back in the day. We hear the war stories of Don Shula all the time. When you were in Miami, last question about training camp before we go on to Thursday Night Football while we have you. Uh, when you were in Miami, did you hear any war stories of Don Shula? Did they talk about it in the halls there of the brutality? He oh, yeah. Players oh,
4: yeah. Like, nowadays, you know, they used to tell me back in the day, it was, it, like, it was water break. You know, you know nowadays, even when I play, you know, if you're not in the play, you can go back there, get you a, a nice, uh, nice uh, drink of water, go back and watch. Coach, shoot, there wasn't no water. They were like, "Hey, we grinded. it. We we should to get it on." <laughs> Nowadays, they have now you're in practice and everything. You're going and you hear a horn and they say water break and you're like, "Huh?" See that that that, that, just, that threw me off. It really it really did because I'm a country boy I'm from Peach County down here in South Georgia. I, I coach you say water break, what you need water for you ain't barely did nothing or or it was uh, the sweat, uh, lift the sweat off your lips. Or I mean, that's how it used to be. And you didn't see us passing out and falling out and all that stuff. It was all about being tough. And not saying that these players aren't tough, because I don't want to take anything away from them, because I know how hard this game is to play. But, I mean, it's a cakewalk training camp, man. It is, outside of the monotony of meetings and practice
3: and walkthroughs, it ain't really that hard. <laughs> all right, we're – We're joined by Randy McMichael here, former Miami Dolphin, former Ram, and former Charger. Randy, we have you for just a few more minutes. Again, thank you for joining us. But I want to get your opinion on Thursday night football. There's been a lot of debate about that lately. SB Nation put out a video today, raising awareness of that. I'm just going to read a few quotes. Uh, Bruce Arians, the recovery time from Sunday to Thursday is ridiculous, especially after playing a very physical game and then to have to travel. Richard Sherman says, the whole idea of Thursday night football is terrible. It's ludicrous. It's hypocritical. It's a poop fest. John Madden said, what happens there is there are not a lot of good teams and they have too many windows to put these games in. They all want good games and there's not enough good teams. Now, the bottom line, of course, we know it's money. Twitter paid $10 million last year for 10 games. Amazon is paying $50 million this year for 10 games. Thursday Night Football debuted in 2012, Randy, your final season in the NFL with the San Diego Chargers. That year, the Chargers played on October 28th versus the Browns. Uh, you guys mm-hmm. lost seven and six. And then a few days later, you played against the chiefs where you beat them 31 to 13. So you were, uh, you traveled to Cleveland and then you traveled back home. And then you played just a few days later. We have no idea as fans, what it's like to play in an NFL football game. We've read the articles, we've read the stories. It's like a car crash. It's like multiple car crashes. How hard is it to play just a few days later in NFL football game?
4: Well, I'm going to go back to your first point, and it's all about the money. Don't tell me it's about the players. It's about money. It really is. And as a player trying to get ready for a game on Thursday when majority of us don't recover physically until probably that Wednesday. That Wednesday, Thursday, you're still a little sore, but you're feeling better, but you got to go play. And it is all about money. Don't, don't don't give me that mess about player safety and everything. And we understand that. The, game, the, the country wants more football. As a fan... Now, retired and everything, I love watching football. I'm a football junkie. My wife knows, like I said, we're going on a couple vacations coming up because she knows that in the fall, she won't see me. She knows that. She she knows. I mean, you should see her at the the Super Bowl. She's like, oh, yes, I get my (laughs) husband Thursday, Friday. You know, she understands that. But – it is a difficult process as a player to get ready for a Thursday night football game. All right. I, will, I mean, I know we get paid lots of money to do it, and we suck it up. And the one thing about it as a player, on Thursday night, when that opening kickoff is going, you don't think about it. You really don't. You just go out there and play football, to, and, and you suck it up. And it's a lot of Thursday night game, It's all grit from the players. You see, the product is not sharp. It really isn't because the players are still yeah. fatigued. but it's all – heart and grit that these players go out there and play those Thursday night games with. And I know a lot of people say, well, you only got to play one time a year and all that. Yes, that is true. But at the same time, you're putting a player at risk when you're not allowing them to fully recover. Because once again, you said it, it is a car crash. Sunday afternoon, Sunday evenings, whenever you play a game, it is a full out contact sport. And I always, my mother always says, it, you got to have something wrong with you to be a professional football player because of the fact that You have a license to run into another grown man with pads on, and it's supposed to be fun.
2: Randy and Matt, you guys touched on everything from a physical standpoint. I'm going to kind of shift gears to the mental standpoint. And like you said, coming from a Sunday game to a Thursday game, in terms of game planning, are there restrictions there that limit what teams can do in such a way where it's a little bit more vanilla than teams would like for their product to be out on the field,
4: um, yeah, a little bit because of the fact that you have a short week and the game plan is already done. That's the thing. But that's the best thing about it is is when you play on Sunday, and you say you play on Thursday. Well, the game plan is pretty much done already for Thursday. That's what the coaches do because they know you have a short week of prayer. So usually on the Sunday you have the game, you come in Monday, you have your recovery day, but at the same time you do the game plan. You don't have your regular Tuesday off like you usually do. Your Tuesday becomes a Wednesday practice, which is usually the hardest practice because the fact that you played on Sunday, it's a little less with pads and hitting. I mean, Wednesday is usually you throw a, you put a Thursday and Friday practice together and then you leave. I mean, you get there, you might have a walk through Thursday and you get ready for the game. So like I said, everything is really condensed. I remember in Miami, we had like a Sunday, we played what, Sunday. Then we went to Dallas. Then we came back and played again early. I mean, we had like, Three games in like thirteen or fourteen days, so I've been there before. I was a lot <laughs> younger then, so I was cool. But um, <laughs> it's I mean the preparation that goes into a Thursday game is already done by the coaches. The one thing about the players is the fresher you can get because I'll never forget you. I know you guys remember that time we played Kansas City on that Friday night, and <laughs> when the hurricane was coming, and I'll never forget. Yeah, <laughs> I'll never forget when. I'll never forget. That Wednesday, Nick Saban comes to us and says, uh, "Guys, we just figured out. We they just told us that we're gonna play on Friday. Find a way to get fresh." We're like, "Hold on, we're just out here in full pads hitting each other." <laughs> you talking about we got a game in two in a day and a half? And, but it was so funny because that's when Pat Surtain he came back to Miami and Pat calls. He's like, "What's up, fellas?" He's like, "Oh, what time y'all get here?" He's like, "Where in Miami? already. So y'all tell me y'all got the memo and Nick Saban didn't? But <laughs> that was a funny that was the funniest thing ever. Like, hold on. Hold on. What you doing Mine me already, Pat? We just found out we're playing Friday night. Oh no, we, uh-huh. already, knew, we already knew we were coming. So it, it was a funny situation. But players, you know, like I said, we get paid a lot of money, but at the same time, don't ever come at me or another player and talk about player safety when you don't allow a player's body to fully recover because
3: it is a physical game. Yep, I absolutely agree with you, and I think a lot of others do as well, but as we all mentioned, it comes down to the money. Randy, we thank you for joining us here on FinSide Radio. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. When you don't get into my Dolphins? Oh, you, you got more time? You said 10 minutes. We got got, more time?
1: Yeah, dude, I got more time.
3: I mean, right, like, i keep... thought about my Fin. All right, let's <laughs> keep it going. Let's keep it going. So I got a question from a Twitter, Twitter user earlier today, uh, Bob Carruth. I don't know if he interacts with you much. But he asked me, and I'm going to ask you this question, what would constitute a successful season for Ryan Tannehill this coming year?
4: Oh, Ryan has – they have got to be a playoff team. They were a playoff team last year. Yes, they were. Still to this day, I still think Matt Moore, part of him, his body is still left in Pittsburgh after that hit he took. But um, (laughs) Ryan, I mean, we could talk about all the acquisitions, the receivers, the offensive line, all these things. Miami's. Miami's success will ride on Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill has got to get them to the playoffs. Ryan Tannehill has got to win a playoff game. Now, I'm not saying that's the end-all, be-all, but he cannot regress. He has one of the best. And the guy who last year I did not know, I was like, you know, I don't know nothing about Adam Gates. And I had plenty of friends who played in Denver when he was there. He's like, Randy, he is that guy. And he showed me something last year. But was The first thing I was, because I tell people this all the time, after that Tennessee game, you know i I you, you you've been saying former Dolphin, former Ram, former Charger. Hey, I am a Dolphin. All right, I love my Chargers, but I am a Dolphin yeah. through and through. All right, I am Aqua all the way. And after that Tennessee <laughs> game last year, I lost my mind. I was like, how <laughs> can you just physically just get beat up like that? And then when I saw what he did as far as like, hey, I know you started on Sunday, you get fired on Monday and Tuesday okay. and. I loved it, and I think this is the right guy for this team. But this quarterback, he has a, so much to prove because so many people don't really know who Ryan Tannehill really is. You see flashes, you see different things, but he has to take that next step. And he has, he it seemed like he was on the verge, gets hurt, so I'm I'm anxious to see how he bounces back. Randy, I'm going to
2: throw a tight end question your way because there is a lot of chatter about the wide receiver groups but silently uh-huh. you know we've we've shifted this tight end group around and we have a really nice complementary set in my opinion uh and Anthony Fasano and Julius Thomas I know two tight end sets aren't the sexiest formations in the NFL I guess the victory formation probably is but just okay. talk a little bit about uh two tight end sets and what advantages that brings to the offense and what you think uh
4: we could expect to see out of the Dolphins tight end group this year well, Anthony Fasano was one of my favorite tight ends. I just love that dude. He, he, he's not fast. He's not quick. He's not, but you know what? He gets the daggone job done. And that's what I love about him. He is what people in my profession call He's just a football player. You could put him in any situation, and he's going to get the job done. My thing with Julius is I think he is a, an exceptional talent. Me playing in the AFC West, getting a chance to watch this young guy do work, I, I mean, he is a special, special talent. Now, is he a ta- Is he the Denver talent or is he the Jacksonville talent? Is he Peyton Manning? Is he talented because he had Peyton Manning or is he? Was he just hurt in, in uh, Jacksonville? And Blake Borders wasn't the was call. That's my thing with him. He's back with Gates. He can do. He can do so many things as a tight end as far as where you can put him in the offensive sets. My thing with him is: is he just like it's a sigh of relief? I'm out of Jacksonville. I know a lot of people when they leave Jacksonville they are like. Whoa. Because it was a money draft, and I don't blame, and I don't blame him. I don't blame mm-hmm. him. When you get your first big contract from a team, you're like, hey, I'm gone. It's the money. I'm gone. I understand that. Wow. But he has to stay healthy. He has to stay healthy yep. because there is a rumor out there. There oh, are sayings about him that he's soft. I don't think he is, but people think he's soft. He won't play through injury. He won't play through a little nick. If he comes back and he's the Julius Thomas – in Denver, oh, my God. All my records are gone. All of them. They're gone.
2: <laughs> hey, Matt, let me ask Randy one more question before I throw it back hey, you. Is it, all right? It. Yeah. Okay, so I was uh, – before the show, I was scrolling down Randy McMichael's timeline, and it didn't take me very long to stumble upon a tweet that said, uh, when you have the next day off. And it has a picture of a half bottle of Patron. <laughs> <laughs> and a 25-ounce and a bush ice. So yeah. go, ahead of, go ahead and walk me through your alcohol selections there, and do you always gravitate towards eclectic combinations of alcohol? Well,
4: well, see, this is what it is, okay? All right. Now, I, you know, I tell everybody when I talk to kids and talk to former players and everything, I always tell them, I've done everything in this world. I've partied all over the world, done all these things. Now, I'm a, I, am a, I live in a cul-de-sac. I have neighbors, kids, everything. I, my wife bought me a hammock. I took the backyard. Like, I'm in my backyard right this, this is my domain. All right, she took my basement, she took all of my stuff, all right? So this is all I got. And so, you know, I, I don't believe that the fact that you've got to spend a lot of money, it, your whole objective is to get drunk. So it's like a corner <laughs> store not too far from my house, and the, 25, the 25-ounce Bushes, i 139. So I calculate <laughs> that and I'm like, I get me a good five and I'm good. I'm set. I'm set. And then the patrol with a bottle from my, one of my coworkers for my birthday, I can drink that. It's cheap. I don't buy patrol. And then, you know, and then, but the thing about it is when we have guests over, I do go buy nice beer and I buy okay liquor because they don't get in my expensive liquor. My expensive liquor <laughs> is just for me. But if That's I'm out here sitting in the back, if I'm back in the back chilling, me and the bulldog, and we just out here chilling, you know, hey, I ain't got no reason to spend a whole bunch of money, man. So I get five 25-ounce <laughs> bushes for six I'm straight.
3: if am if, straight. If, if, if you drink enough beer, beer is beer, right? After after a few of this, hey, it all becomes the same. That's what I tell everybody. I'm like, after
4: you have one bush, your palate is so numb, you don't, they don't taste good.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> You're absolutely right, man. <laughs> That's what I tell my guys too. Sometimes I don't want to spend a lot of money on IPAs and all that, you know. Cause just yeah, them man, man. Man. Hey, hey.
4: Hey, and they got a new can. It's real. They got a new can. It's real classy. I mean, hey. hey.
3: <laughs> it At least looks nice. All right, Randy. Just just one or two more questions for you. Again, thank you for joining okay. us. here. Um, what are you most looking forward to for this coming season for the Dolphins? If it's a player, if it's the way you know the gates adapt, if it's Burt coming in as defensive coordinator. If it's just the way, you know, players progress, who are you most looking forward to seeing or what are you most looking forward to seeing? I'm
4: looking forward to seeing Julius. I really am. I'm really looking forward to see if he can regain that form because I know the kind of plays. I remember uh, watching tape of the first catch he had in Jacksonville in the preseason when he got upended and broke his hand. I remember that because I was so excited to see what he can do without a Peyton Manning. So I'm excited to see him. I'm excited to see juice because I don't care what nobody says. Don't give me that. Uh, I'm after I'm not negotiating during the season. They bring you a contract and the numbers are right. You going not sign it. I don't want to hear that, but I think he's a professional and he wants to get it done. And all, like the last offensive person I want to see, I want to see how Pouncy comes back there because mm-hmm. they are, they are special when he's in the lineup because he's a, and obviously you cannot have enough of those guys defensively. Hey, Lawrence Timmons, that's my guy, all right? That's my boy. I've been knowing him since he's a young pup. All right, what does he have in the tank? And also, Rashad, you know, former Bulldog, he's going to do his thing. But what is going to go on with this secondary? Are they ready to take the challenge? And I, I'm not worried about the defensive line because as long as they got 91 on there and 93, things are going to get done.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So, Randy, my last question for you. How many years do you think Tom Brady has left, and when do you think the <laughs> Miami Dolphins are going to
4: take over the AFC East? Okay, now you sound like the NBA player. One of my co-hosts is uh, uh, Rick Camler, who is an NBA TV guy, and he's always talking about everybody in the East is waiting for LeBron to retire so they can bring it. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know when Tom Brady up, because the thing about it is he doesn't get hit because they don't allow him to get hit. And yeah, I, there is true. no offense that gets the ball out of their hands quicker. They're not a. They, I mean, I know they went and got cooks and he's a deep threat, but that's yep. not going to be their game. They're going to get the ball out. They're going to dump it off to Edelman and, and um, Amendola and those guys, and they're going they're going to keep Tom Brady safe. Now, with that being said, I'm really interested to see what's going to happen with Garoppolo. I think a lot of people speculate that. Um, because you can't pay two quarterbacks top money. I mean, that's just not going to happen. And you remember when they when they uh, franchise Castle, but they found a way to trade him. I see that scenario again because I think that you know Bill Bill is is, is notorious for getting rid of a guy too well, one year too early than too yep. late. But Robert and I know Robert Kraft. He loves Seymour. He loved Vince Wolf, He loved all these guys that Bill got rid of. But this is Tom freaking Brady, all right? And I don't see Mr. Kraft giving up Tom Brady for for Garoppolo. I just don't see it. So I think he can play another three to four years, especially with the pajamas uh, and the the avocado ice cream and and all that other mess that that really, really rich people be eating.
3: Randy, we said that was the last question, but I need to follow through this one, and I promise we'll let you go. We as fans we can – we can't stand Tom Brady, but you as a player, as players, when you see someone that good, but a rival as well, you just have to take your cap to them, right? Is that what you guys do? Or do you really take it to the next level and really hate them?
4: Oh, no, you have to take your cap off to them. And what I mean by that is you respect them. No, you don't fear them and and you don't be like, Oh God, Tom Brady, we're going to lose. Hell no. That ain't where they do that at. We don't get down like that. But at Uh the same time, everybody respects Tom Brady because let me tell you something living here in Atlanta, and, and being working for the working for the game, who we are the flagship station for the Falcons. That Monday after the Super Bowl, we, oh, he put Falcons he, he put he put Falcon fans in tears. You're talking about our, our, whole thing, our whole show Monday was reflection, and we had grown men calling and crying, and I'm talking about crying on the phone with us. So yes, this guy twelve is special. He is, he is, he just, he's that guy. And until he decides to retire, I'm not saying that the Patriots can't be beaten,
3: but they're always going to be your favorite. All right. Randy McMichael, always a great guest here on FinCider Radio. Randy, we look forward to you joining us again in the future. We know a lot of fans on our uh, FinSider Radio live thread on our website right now are asking a lot of stories from saving time. And we, next time we have you on, we're going to have you ta- tell us a few statement stories if you're, if you could. Oh, no
4: doubt. No it's doubt. Just, I
3: got a whole
4: lot of them, man. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. hey, man, I appreciate y'all so much, man. And uh, anytime y'all need me, you know you, you know, I'm always there for you, my man.
3: Absolutely, Randy. All right, man. Thank Thanks, you, for Randy. Take care. Uh, take, take care. All right. That, that was Randy McMichael. What, what a great guest all the time, you know, willing to come on the show. He actually reached out to us a few days ago and said, listen, you know, I haven't heard back. I haven't heard from you guys in a while. I loved coming on last time, you know, whenever you guys have openings on the show. I'd love to come on again. And anytime Randy wants to come on, hell, we'll have him as a fourth co-host here on the show. Great stories, always getting great insight from former players. We're on line with him for about 25 minutes. And this just goes to show what kind of guy Randy is. You know, I mean, talking to us, we, we average, you know, 5,000 or so listeners per week on the off season, and we're growing as we get to the season. So we're not a huge show. We're pretty popular. We're pretty well known out there. and We get quite a few listeners, as you, as you see. Um, but to give us his time and then to stay with us an extra 15 to 20 minutes because he wanted to talk some more. You know, that just says a lot about the character of the man. And he was a fan favorite when he was in Miami. I know a lot of fans were sad to see him go when, when he did leave to the Rams. But as he said, he is a Miami Dolphin for life and, and always an enjoyable guest on our show side.
2: Yeah, that was, that was awesome. And he was, I remember us talking about it last time we interviewed him. Like it just felt like we were sitting on a bar just sipping on a beer and just talking football. And uh, he's yeah, just great interview. Easy to talk to and just a knowledgeable guy. Like he, he knows his stuff. Clearly. I mean, absolutely.
3: All right. Now, Let's, let's go about 10, 15 more minutes. I know in the offseason, we, we tried to make our shows about 30 minutes long, you know, get get in and out, get the show in, and there's not a whole lot to talk about. Training camp rookies report tomorrow. The rest of the team reports next Thursday. For me, Randy said it's all about the camar- camaraderie, right? It's all about seeing your yep. teammates, you know, getting together, learning the system, the veterans they're not really looking forward to it too much, but the young guys, it means everything to them. They're trying to secure their spot in the NFL earlier uh, in my fandom days, when I first became a fan and up until several years ago, training camp was a huge deal to me. I got so excited about it. I overreacted to it so much. Every little pass completion, every little interception, every little, you know, bad report. I overreacted to it over the past few years, as I've grown to understand the NFL And through my former website, FinManiacs, and now with SB Nation, I've had the opportunity to talk to guys in the organization, to talk to former players, to talk to current players. And you see a different perspective uh, on what it's all about. And really, training camp is this for me. If the Dolphins get through without any major injury, if they get their entire team healthy for week one, if everyone's ready to go week one, then that's a successful training camp. Anything else is bonus. Yes, the rookies need to learn the system. Yes, the rookies need to learn how to be be a pro. Yes, the rookies need to uh, understand the culture in Miami. That needs to take place. They need to get their reps in and learn how to play the speed of the NFL game, which they really won't see until the regular season because preseason, the veterans are going half speed anyways. The only exception might be the third game of the preseason. Now, you also want to see some progress. You don't want to see any regression. And there will be lots of overreaction coming in. But but the point is that we need to understand that training camp is a time to really not overreact. And it's a time to make sure we get through without any major injuries. That's it for me. Sutton, I don't know what your viewpoint is of training camp, but please let us know.
2: Well, absolutely. Number one, you want everybody to get through, like you said. Like, absolutely, no question, the number one goal. There are some interesting subplots. I mean, there will be some good training camp battles. You know, will Raekwon McMillan be able to sneak into a starting position with the linebackers? Uh, um, Is Isaac Asiata, is he going to step into that left guard position? So, I mean, there will be some interesting battles there. Um, You could even throw Tony Lippett and Xavier Howard in there. Um, So, interesting battles to, to consideration. But like you said, these coaching staffs already kind of know what's going on. Um, And it's going to be whether the players show up and make the most of the reps and then things, and it's all fluid too. So um, you're adjusting snaps on a day-to-day basis, uh, putting people in different situations, lining people up in different positions and cross training and all that kind of stuff. So um, you can't really start to see the cream and the crop, uh, differentiate until later on in the process. So you, you said it perfectly. We just kind of go into cruise control, um, pray for the best in terms of injuries, and uh, more informative things will come later on in the process.
3: Yeah, and it's, and it's funny because we always see that the um, – I'm trying to think here what it is every year where the defense is ahead of the offense, right? And everyone, yeah. starts, everyone starts freaking out but, oh, my God, the offense isn't coming around. Listen, the defense doesn't have to do <laughs> much different than what they've always been doing if the offense needs to get on the same page with each other. The defense knows what's coming, right, because they see it all the time. And with Adam Gates, their second year with this offense in its second year, and the defense coming into its second year, it's expected, okay? There's only so much you can do. There's only so much you want to do, and there's only so much that's going to happen. So if you hear the reports, which you will, I guarantee you will, probably even as early as the first day next Thursday, you're going to hear all about it and don't freak out. And in the preseason games start, don't freak out because it's a different game week one of the regular season. No one is showing.
2: Yeah. And the way that roster cuts are done now, it's still, you get to kind of general, you get to shave away a few players at first. So that's really, it's really when you get to those last roster cuts where that that's the moment in time where you should be like, okay, where's everyone stand or just before that, you know what I mean? But you don't need to get uh, all up in arms while there's still
3: 90 players on the roster. And and the thing is too, when I was going to my previous point before you jumped in, which is fine, but you're absolutely right is that the preseason games are vanilla, right? No one is showing anything from their playbook because no one's going to reveal any tricks before the regular season begins. So when you, see, when you don't see the exotic blitzes, when you don't see the exotic plays, when you see smash-mouth football and little things here and there, please don't go crazy. All right, football's back, yes, but it's really not back until week one. All right, so that, so that is that. The rookies will report tomorrow, Thursday morning, and they won't be doing field work. They will be in the classroom learning the playbook, playbook learning the culture, learning the system. And as Randy McMichael said, everyone's looking forward to Charles Harris and the rest of the rookies coming in, Raycon and Mil- McMillan, I'm really excited about. And then a few others as well. I'm really excited to see what Isaiah Ford can do. I think he was one of the biggest steals in the entire draft, uh, based on his evaluations coming in from the consensus rankings we put together. And I also, I don't know if he's going to make the roster. He might. He'll probably make the practice squad, but we'll have to see. You know how that all shakes out, and of course the defensive tackles: Vincent Taylor, Devon I Isaac Asiata, Can he lock up a starting offensive guard job? You know that's going to be the biggest thing that we have to see coming in. And and for you, and who is the rookie you're looking forward to seeing the most?
2: Oh man, good question. Um, I know it's not sexy, but I, I want to see if they. Eight... Asiata can come in and and lock up this, the starting gig on the, on the left side. Although, um, you know what? I changed my answer. I'm going Raekwon McMillan. (laughs) He's an Ohio state boy. Um, I'm a Ohio state fan. So it's kind of nice to have an Ohio state slash Miami dolphin on my team. And he's going to come into a situation where he might win a starting job and he might have to play behind Coamese if he's healthy. So it's going to be interesting to see how that all shakes out. You know, what position do they put McMillan in? Do they have him on uh, the strong side or the weak side? Um, So there will be some interesting questions to answer there through training camp with McMillan. But I'm looking forward to seeing uh, him ball out because every Buckeye fan that I talk to promises me that he'll be a captain of this defense within a couple of years.
3: Don't forget about Cordrea Tankersley as well, the cornerback who is going to push Lippitt and Howard for a spot in that rotation there. And like Randy said, the secondary is going to be the most interesting thing about uh, this year's Miami Dolphins team. Can they make enough work? You have the two outside corners at Maxwell and Howard, and then you got Lippitt in the background. You have Tankersley. They need to figure out their slot position and then, and then moving forward from there. All right, let's move on from training camp. We have a caller on the line. It's Christoph Dolphins, fan for life. Christoph, what's your question for us tonight on FinSider Radio?
0: Hey, buddy. Well, first off, um, rookie, I'm looking forward to, uh, to checking out his Chase Allen, uh, the undrafted free agent. Um, Small-time school, but people say he's pretty fierce. But my question is, and uh, – it comes with a little bit of a fun fact. Uh, Matt Burke, our new defensive coordinator, was actually the line the linebacker's coach for the Detroit Lions when Sue was drafted. So he was there, and they literally watched how the linebacker core just kind of evolved behind Sue and that line up there. My question is, do you think that history is going to help and that we may actually see our linebacker core become a strength sooner rather than later?
2: I I believe that we're going to see improved play, and it's kind of hard to not see any different of an outcome just because we've added, for the most part, we've added Lawrence Timmons, we've added Raekwon McMillan, we already had uh, Kiko Alonso. We already had Coemisi, uh, even though he's been injured. So, a lot of returning players that we—they're known commodities. Neville Hewitt, Mike Hall. These are all players that we know. So we've only added to this group. So you'd expect uh, better production. Now, I think your question, although it's centered around Sue, I really think we have to shift this question to Jordan Phillips because this is a league where they will not only highlight a weakness, they'll make you bleed until you die from it. So if Jordan Phillips is not up to the challenge of winning one-on-one matchups while Sue is doing his thing and the linebackers are doing their thing, um, if Jordan Phillips is not there to make his plays, then I think we could still have uh, an above average, even linebacker core, but still be getting gashed on the run because the defensive tackle uh, number two is not doing what, what we need him to do.
3: Yep. All right, Christoph. Thank you for calling Finnsider radio, loyal caller, loyal listener. Uh, we'll talk to you next time. And, and you're right, son. I do think though that the linebacker core has potential to be very good in the very near future. Lawrence Timmons is a wild card here. I don't think Cole is going to be healthy enough to play at all. I think it's going to be McMillan. It's going to be Alonzo. It's going to be Timmons. If Timmons can, play up to his potential we know he's slow uh he has trouble covering but if he can hold his own there and really do an excellent job and like you said that jordan phillips or whoever the number two is gets to doing their job then this defense can be special with that linebacker core and defensive line right in front of them all right one thing i wanted to circle back to was the training camp the dolphins are doing a few new things this year this year they have shaded seating they have a weekend fan festival featuring inflatables interactive games and food trucks They have kids autographs taken on the field for post-practice autographs. That is a first-come, first-served until capacity is reached. And uh, as always, practice will take place on the field closest to the seats. Most practices take place on field one, which is the closest to the stands. Thursday, July 27th, 8.20 a.m. The Dolphins practice early in the morning, get get the practice out of the way, battle the humidity there, and don't even risk anything later in the afternoon with the brutal, brutal heat. They go again the 28th, the 29th, 30th, 31st. They have August 1st off, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, August 5th, and 6th, no practice, 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th, no practice, and then the 13th, 14th, and the last uh, training camp open to the public is Tuesday, August 15th. So, of course, like we said, the main goal there is to not have any injuries. We touch base a lot with Thursday Night Football Sutton with Raina McMichael, and he really touched on a lot of things that I had in my mind as well. We, we talked about the quotes and, and bringing up Thursday night football, it might seem like it's coming out of nowhere, but SB Nation, like I said, put out a video on their social media platforms earlier today about the bad product that is Thursday night football and how it might be time to get rid of it, but money is money and the NFL will never get rid of it. And Randy McMichael had some very strong words about Thursday night football and how it is in no way shape or form about player safety. But I think fans these days are smart enough to realize that. Well, listen, we are football junkies, right? We love football. We get football on Sunday, on Monday, on Thursday. At the end of the season, we get football on Saturday. And it's just this adrenaline rush that we get. You don't have football on Tuesday and Wednesday and Friday. And even college football on Saturday during the early part of the regular season. It is just a huge rush. And for all of us who just are obsessed with football like we are and all of our listeners and our followers on Twitter and our social media followers and our website vid- visitors, it's, it's great to have football all the time. But it is a bad product. I don't know if you wanted to add anything into our previous conversation. Yeah, I mean, I'll
2: admit that I'll watch football any any night of the week, but at the end of the day, I'm still a patient enough of a fan where I can wait a few more days for my team to play on Sunday. I do it most of the time during the year anyway, so what's the difference between have to wait one game on one week or a few more days when you take that over the course of the whole year, so... Um, I think we as fans, if we just acknowledge the fact like, yeah, we love football, but we don't want the players to get destroyed in the process and we don't want a watered down product out there. So, I mean, I think that's kind of a win-win for everybody except for the owners, but I don't really think people care about the owner's feelings to be honest with you. So it seems like a generally good decision to make.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, It it as long as companies pay this kind of money to the NFL, Amazon paying 50 million for 10 games. That's five million dollars per game for three hours of football. Crazy, 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 crazy. But it is what it is. All right. At the top of the show, we talked. We said that we were going to talk about an article from ESPN.com from Bill Barnwell, the NFL's 25 most outsized contracts. In it, Rashad Jones is mentioned, and, of course, and, and Sue as well. But it is a positive thing for, for the Dolphins, and I want to make sure we give the proper amount of time to it. So I'm not going to rush it into this show. We'll hold it off until next week. We're going to bookmark it, and we'll talk about that early in our show next week as we get ready for training camp as well. But, again, I want to give it its due time because I – have very strong opinions on fans and analysts calling out players for the amount of money they make and freaking out whenever someone gets a big contract, because we know the salary cap rises every single year. We know it just, it just keeps going and going up. And when you look at a contract within two to three years, it's not so big anymore. And that's what I think we need to get people to understand. And that will be our mission next week. And even in Dominican Sue's contract, when you look at others around the league, it's not crazy anymore. And uh, yep. it's just, this is just a cycle. Kirk Cousins is going to get a huge contract next year, right? But give yeah. it a year or two after that, his contract won't even be that huge anymore. As, as more revenue comes in, and that is part, of course, due to Thursday Night Football, ironically. As more revenue comes in and as the salary cap continues to rise, These quarterbacks coming off the rookie contracts who have shown they can play in the NFL, they will outmatch and outdo Kirk Cousins by a mile. And after Kirk Cousins signs his mega contract, give it two, three, four years, his contract won't be anything special. Your thoughts on that before we, you know, kind of wrap it up for tonight. Um, No,
2: actually, I don't uh, have that many specific thoughts on the subject other than you already said, I mean, Sue, uh at the time it was a ridiculous contract now it's not so ludicrous and even Barnwell in his article says yeah this was an aggressive move but it ended up being market value for his talent so it's not really yeah. his number 1 to oversized contract is a legitimate contract basically so i guess i don't know the total worth of the article if the number 2 worst or oversized contract is not you know, it, it kind of implies that it's a bad thing, but anyway, yeah. um, Bill Barnwell's a Patriots fan, and he looks like a bald turd, so <laughs> I, I I try to not discuss his work. Well, much.
3: Bill Barnwell would never come on Inside Radio. There goes that chance. Bill Barnwell, I just it sounds, like it, hit, it sounds like such
2: a it sounds like such a hick name, like Bill Barnwell.
3: Yeah. Um, just looking, just looking at the live thread here as we wrap up the show. I'm looking at any questions. I know we talked a lot with Randy, and a lot of the questions got answered throughout the podcast. So I think we're going to refrain from at, uh, answering any more questions from the live thread. Twitter, we, we took a question or two from there and talked about that throughout the rest of our podcast. So we there, any- there's
2: one. There's one question on the live thread that isn't from Randy Mc- about Randy McMichael, and maybe next time we'll have him drink a bush ice and stay with <laughs> us for an, a whole for a whole hour, and then he can answer everybody's questions. But um, I have one from Landry as the man. The question is, what is everyone's take on Damian Williams? I know he was a top-rated pass catcher, but does he bring enough to the table if Ajayi goes out? I'll throw that one to you, MC Money.
3: So the Dolphins are actually ranked the eighth best. Uh, running back situation in the NFL. I forgot who ranked him that. I think it was CBS or ESPN. And when you look at Damien Williams, you don't think, oh, my God, Damien Williams, look at something special. But Damien Williams brings that ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. He's not your smash mouth running back. He's not going to pound the tackles. He's not going to, you know, continue to wear out the defense with his physicality like Ajayi does. But what he will do is he will sh- be shifty. He will be quick. He will catch that ball out of the backfield, and he will zoom right by you as he has done plenty of times in the past. Not to mention his blocking has improved, probably better than Ajayi's because that was one of Ajayi's weaknesses last year. And Williams is a very smart player when picking up the blitz. So Williams is a very underrated running back. When you think of him, like I said, you don't think of, oh, my God, look at that one-two punch Miami has. But those who watch the tape, those who understand the game, realize just how valuable of an asset at Damien Williams is and not to mention Adam Gates absolutely loves him and uh, showed him some tough love last season by demoting him a little bit and benching him and taking him out of games at certain points. But I think we all understand that Williams has learned his lesson and I think it's going to come back even better than he has before. All right. So that is going to be it this week on Finnsider Radio. We thank uh, Raina McMichael for coming on. We certainly continue to extend our condolences to House and Obviously not the same show without him. And we yeah. hope that he is you know, ready to come back whenever he can. We'll open him with, we'll welcome him with open arms. And we have training camp starting tomorrow for the Dolphins rookies. We're looking forward to the content that Dolphins official uh, social media platforms puts out. They always put out great original content, those short videos, 30 seconds long that gets you pumped up just by watching players walk into the building. It's really crazy how they do such great things with just the cinematography and the music in the background and just their angles. They take, it's really great stuff. So we'll look forward to that. We'll give you our training camp preview next week. We'll talk a little more about other things surrounding the Miami dolphins, but for now I am MC money and at certain the creepy soccer dad, as always my sidekick. Thank you for listening to Finnsider radio. We hope you enjoyed this week's show. We'll talk to you next week.
1: We are Now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O-Rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment. On sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. o oh, 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 oreilly
3: Auto Parts. My name is Spencer Hall. My name is Jason Kirk. My name is Ryan Nanny It's not Voltron.